Hi, this is Amrita Gurney, the host of Standout Startup Brands, and welcome to season two. You will find a couple of things different in this season and especially in this episode. The first is that I am moving away from my bi-weekly format. If I'm being honest, it was just a little too hard for me to keep up with consistently. And then the second is for today's episode, I am not bringing in a special guest. Instead, I'm going to share my experience launching my very first big brand campaign. I hope you like these changes. Please let me know and let's jump in. Okay, let's get started. So as you know, I am going to be talking about launching the first brand campaign I ever worked on, which was actually not that long ago. It was about a year ago, and it was our first brand campaign for Float, the company where I am the head of marketing. And for those who don't know what a brand campaign is or how I'm thinking about a brand campaign, I'm going to steal a definition from Moritz Schutt, which is that they're essentially targeted communications that are designed to generate awareness about your company. They're also a way to tell your story, set you apart from your competitors. They bring your brand to life in a really impactful way that leaves people with lasting positive impressions. And you might ask, well, isn't that just demand generation? And I would say no, because the goal of brand campaigns isn't typically direct response, meaning you are not necessarily expecting somebody to take action from that ad specifically, but it has other benefits. For example, It aids in recall. So if you have a sales team that's reaching out to people, brand campaigns can make people go, oh yeah, I have heard of your company. They also can leave this lasting impression, as Maurice mentioned, which is a way to set yourself apart from the competition. And I'll get into that a little bit because that was something we did really well at Float. So when I was looking for examples of who else is running brand campaigns on the B2B side, I would say that there are a lot of companies who use digital channels to do this. So if you look at YouTube or even LinkedIn, definitely Facebook, you will see examples of brand campaigns run by pretty much every kind of company now. But ultimately, I think most B2B companies, certainly in the startup world, don't think about investing in brand in this way. And so I think some of the better examples are going to exist in the consumer world. And there's a million that I can think of, but one that stands in my mind because it's close to home. And also one of the women who worked on this campaign is actually on my team at Float, Amy Fisher. Tourism Newfoundland, I think, has really done an amazing job of transforming people's perceptions of Newfoundland and Labrador as a tourist location. Most of you have probably seen their commercials at some point in time. But certainly 10, 15 years ago, Newfoundland was never a place that you would think about going to for a vacation. You would go to travel to see your family. Typically, it was Newfoundlanders coming home. But they did such a great job of creating positioning and storytelling that made Newfoundland really stand out as a very unique destination, not for everybody, for a specific kind of traveler. So definitely check out those ads. And one day I'll have Amy on the podcast as well. Coming back to the brand campaign I worked on, I want to start by talking about why did we do this in the first place? So when I was interviewing at Float, one of the things that attracted me to the company was the way the founders really thought about marketing. And they thought of it as not just lead generation, but definitely brand building. 
And they had come from organizations that had seen brand really work for them. And I loved that they had a more holistic view of marketing. And certainly that made the prospect of my job a lot more interesting and also just connected to, I think, my own skill sets as a marketer. And so when I joined, I actually had a goal to launch my first brand campaign really quickly. In fact, in my first 45 days, which was actually a bit too aggressive, it took me more like three months. But the idea here again was ultimately to build awareness of Float. We are a fintech company in Canada, for those who don't know. And at that time, we'd only been in market for a few months and most people didn't know who we were. So we thought that this was an opportunity to essentially have a bit of a coming out party and let people know that we were here, who we served, what kind of general promise we were making, not the sort of specifics about how the product worked. And the other reason we did a brand campaign that used non-digital formats, which I'll get to, is that as a company, I think we really value making big, bold bets. And I think there was a real appetite to just make a statement and to do something that didn't need to be safe and predictable and was really just a way for us to try something and see if it worked. So once we decided to do this, you know, the first steps were bringing in a great creative partner. At the time, we were working with an agency called Berners Bowie Lee. They were a really small team and they had done really interesting, kind of fresh creative that I think really was well-suited to a brand like ours that was breaking the norms. We were creating a new way of managing your finances in Canada, where there's pretty much you know the big banks and a lot of old software options that you can use. But we really wanted to break away from the traditional stereotype of a financial institution. And so Berners Bowie Lee came in and they really helped us define our strategy in terms of who we were targeting, what kind of message we wanted to make, and what was the hook for the campaign. Typically, brand campaigns do have some kind of a consistent theme to tell that story. And so we wanted to, at that time, really focus on the tension that exists in the office between finance teams and their counterparts through a series of tongue-in-cheek portraits of you know people in the office. And when it comes to brand strategy, it's interesting in the B2C world, brand strategy is actually positioning and it lives typically with a brand manager or a brand team. In the B2B world, this is often the work of product marketing. And so that was a little bit different for us. Amy, as I mentioned, joined our team. She actually had a background in B2C. And so we actually decided to put her in a role that sort of combined both brand and product marketing. She's since gone on to sort of specialize in product marketing, but ultimately there was a lot of crossover between her background as a brand marketer and the work that she was doing at Float. So Amy joined a little bit later, but certainly has been a great sounding board and influence on me in terms of how I think about brand. Once we decided what our strategy was, then we went to building the creative strategy. And I think this is something that most B2B marketers probably do backwards. Often you're like, oh, I have this great concept for an ad, and then you go and do it. Through Berners Bowie Lee, I really enjoyed the process of starting with the foundational brand strategy, 
then moving to the creative strategy, which explored different treatments to highlight this interaction in the office. And we actually had three different treatments that we considered. And one thing that was really important at that time, which I think upon reflection was a big reason why we chose one versus the other two, is that it was you know, our first time really being out in the market in such a big way. And I really wanted to think about how to make a really great first impression. We had one ad treatment or one creative treatment that was a little bit more serious, almost a little bit more emotional. And I actually really loved it. I think artistically it was my favorite, but I just felt like I didn't want to come out into the market for the first time. COVID was just ending. People were actually getting out into the world a lot more in Canada. And I just didn't want to start with sort of a dark tone about late nights in the office working in finance. So that was a big influence in us choosing our creative strategy. And I definitely brought key stakeholders along the way. I think that a lot of times another mistake that marketers make is they wait until the thing is done And then they show it to people and they get a lot of feedback. Number one, it's really hard or expensive to change it at that point. And then also, I think you're not really showing the thinking that went into these choices. And sometimes that really can shape how people perceive the end result. You know, I had three or four stakeholders who I brought along the way to just weigh in and give me feedback. We also included a few customers as part of this not really focus group, but kind of a testing ground for us. And that was really helpful for me, especially being new to the company and the market. Then we were focusing on building out the media plan. So we had an idea that we wanted to explore certain channels that were not just digital. So we definitely covered off digital, but we wanted to explore things like out of home and even take out a full page ad in sort of the most popular national newspaper, because we felt that That was partly how we made a statement. You know, I think a lot of times we think of the message as the statement, but your choice of channels is also a statement. And I think, for example, this isn't B2B, but the fact that, you know, CoinSquare or Wealthsimple have chosen to advertise in the Super Bowl is a statement about those companies. And for us, we felt like choosing billboards was, number one, just a way to sort of cut through the noise that we see on digital And also just to make a statement and stand out from the crowd. And we know that thousands of people every day walk by or drive by the billboards in the locations that we were targeting. So we did a lot of work with our media buyer around choosing channels, choosing which geographic markets. And the media buyer, again, they really did a great job of breaking down our goals and then not just giving us the qualitative advice, but they put together a pretty comprehensive plan so we could really get a sense of how many people would be viewing these ads for ads, especially in out of home, but on any channel, really, you need repetition. So we wanted to make sure that for digital billboards, for example, that we were going to be able to show them often enough that it would sort of stick in people's minds. We also felt that taking out an ad in the Globe and Mail and sort of making a statement there was, again, a vote of confidence in ourselves as a company and, again, a way to sort of cut through the noise and show that we were different from traditional financial institutions. So once we figured all of that out, we went into creative production, which I think took about four weeks, if I remember correctly. That seems like a long time, but it actually, for agencies, is actually really aggressive, probably a little uncomfortable. And basically, 
I definitely got a glimpse into the creative industry and how there are specialists for everything. So we had one person who was in charge of casting. We had a different person in charge of props, another one in charge of wardrobe, another in terms of styling, another one who was kind of a production assistant to bring all this together. Of course, we had the creator director, the photographer. There was a big group of people. Can you do it with fewer people? Definitely. You know, I think that there are pros and cons of working with specialists in this way, but it definitely really showed me how much thought goes into pulling off great advertising. And I think it gave me a real appreciation for the work that people in this industry do. So we decided on who we were going to feature in our campaigns. And even that was really interesting. I actually brought our finance manager into the casting calls because I wanted the people to be credible to people like her. So that was really fun. It was great to hear her perspectives. And then you know, all these little details. What should this person have on their desk? What should they be wearing? What kind of earrings should they have on? Again, because these were portraits, we wanted to pay a lot of attention to these small details to tell the story in that right way. So once we actually did the shoot, which took place over a day for our first brand campaign, then we went into graphic design, production, and delivery. That in itself is also a really big undertaking because there are so many different formats that this creative needs to work in. And so even when you're shooting, you have to think about vertical landscape, but also really unusual formats like some billboards are extremely wide and not very tall. And that isn't a typical ratio that we work with in digital. So again, you know, we definitely had a lot of back and forth and figuring out how all that worked. We worked with a great copywriter from Berners Bowie Lee as well. I think our copy was as impactful as the imagery as well. And I think that's another thing that often gets overlooked. I find a lot of brand campaigns, like I've seen a ton of billboards now from B2B companies and like 90% of them are pretty mediocre and they look like they were made by a demand gen person, no offense. But anyway, that was a big production. We got it all out the door. It definitely was aggressive in terms of timelines. And, you know, I definitely learned a lot, which I applied to the next campaign, which we actually just recently launched and added the addition of a TV ad, which was also a super interesting experience for me. So I just want to cover some of the things that I learned, and then I'm happy to talk about whether it worked or it didn't work, or, you know, was it a good investment for us? Is it a good investment for you? I think some of the things that I learned was, number one, things that look really simple are really hard to pull off. It's very easy, especially when you get, you know, multiple voices in the room to really water down a concept and to make it appeal to everybody. And the reality is that creative isn't going to appeal to everybody. It may not even appeal to all of our customers. I think we have to, to some degree, take feedback and then also decide who do we want to be as a company. And some of this is not predictable. So that was something I learned I also learned the importance of sort of bringing people along the way, not only through the process, but even when I presented this to our entire company at all hands, I didn't want to just show them the end result. I really wanted to let them see that we had certain constraints that we were working with, that we made a choice to go in a particular direction. 
And again, we got great feedback, but I'm sure there are some people who didn't think it was that great. And that is something you have to be okay with. And I think anyone who works in a creative field just has to develop that ability to not need to please everybody and to be comfortable with dissent. So that was another thing I learned. Number three was go big or go home. We invested significantly in the first campaign. And we tried another couple of smaller ones. And I think the smaller ones just didn't move the needle. And it just made me feel like if we're going to do this, we do need to sort of blanket certain areas with this creative. So people are really seeing it everywhere. And there was definitely a benefit to not just focusing on digital. We definitely were reaching people who we weren't reaching on digital by trying these other channels. And then the fourth lesson I learned, which is something I didn't do, so I would say I learned this lesson by doing it the wrong way, which was we ran this campaign for a couple of months in spring of 2022, and then I moved on to another creative treatment in fall 2022 and spring 2023. What I realized was, first of all, that first campaign was so successful, and I'll come back to that. Even though we ran it for two months, two months is actually like a blip in time when you think about the average person and how they retain information. So we probably should have just run that creative for at least a year rather than moving on to the next concept, especially for a brand that was really new. We really need to just like reinforce who we were as a company. So that was something that I wish I had done differently. And I took that lesson into the most recent campaign where we actually continued the creative treatment from the first campaign in terms of the imagery with a slightly different angle, but it really did look like an extension of the first campaign. And I think using that imagery again was one thing that we felt would just add to people's recall. And again, if something is working, why reinvent the wheel right away? So that was something that I wish I had done. And and certainly with this most recent campaign, I think we're going to reuse these assets for a long time. I hope that we can keep using them for at least the next year. And of course, budget-wise, that's also a great way to spend less on production and then put most of that money into your media budget. So the last question which people always ask me is, well, did it work? Or what were the results of running this? And I want to preface this by saying that I was really lucky to work for a CEO, Rob Chasm, who did not put pressure on me to deliver very specific measurable results from this campaign. He said, listen, I know brand is harder to measure. There are ways to measure it, but measuring it actually creates like another investment that you need to make in doing like brand surveys, testing for recall. Of course, we did test our normal KPIs, like our website visits, especially direct and organic search. We tested all of the other performance metrics that you would imagine a B2B marketing team would. And the short answer is we saw a noticeable lift that definitely made this brand campaign worthwhile. And I have to say in my entire career, 20 years working in marketing, I have never in my career had many people to this day, 18 months later, still talk about that first campaign we launched. It had incredible recalls. So I think from that perspective, there were a lot of benefits that we probably didn't even measure, but those were the ones that we could see. And I'm really glad that we did it. We definitely felt like it was the right thing to do. And I'm really excited to continue investing in brand as a company. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering, is this for me, especially if you're at a startup, I would say 
Maybe, maybe not. And I would say, number one, it starts with where are you in the market and how much of that sort of awareness building do you need to be generating? You know, there are products which are so directly just sales-led that you might be able to get away with not sort of building that awareness and trust. For us, we're a financial institution. Trust is really important and awareness is really helpful for us in all of our marketing and sales outreach. So for us, it was really worth it. But I also, like I said, had founders and a CEO who really believed in this. And so that made it worthwhile for me. I think if I was at, well, actually, I've been at many other companies where I've never proposed this at the beginning because we were perhaps not in a position where we could make investments that didn't pay off quickly. This all just depends on, again, your financial situation, your goals, your market. For us, it was a brand new category. So we felt that there was benefit in really setting ourselves apart from the legacy solutions in a really fresh way. So for us, again, it really made a difference. And then the last thing I would say is, you know, if you talk to other smart marketing leaders who choose to invest in brand, they usually carve a certain percentage of their budget towards brand, but it typically isn't the majority. And so I do think that you don't necessarily have to buy billboards or run a TV ad. You may be able to tell your brand story in different ways and in different budgets. And ultimately, I do think that telling the story of your brand through campaigns like this is really building for your future customer, not just the people who are ready to buy today. And I do think that it's a long-term investment. And ultimately, I know that there's a lot of debate about brand in the B2B world, but personally, I see that B2B buyers are not logical. I think this is one of the biggest misnomers about B2B marketing. And I see lots of smart B2B marketers say that they don't get brand, it's a waste of time. The reality is that there are so many emotional and social components around buying decisions, even in B2B companies. And I've actually run research studies that have proven this. So to me, something like a brand campaign that isn't just talking about how our product works, but tells a bigger story about who we are as a company and how we're different from other options has actually been a really worthwhile endeavor. And I actually think that if I knew what I know now, I would have invested in brand at other companies as well and in a different way. So hopefully this was interesting and useful for people to listen to. I know that this is my first time not having a guest on this episode, but I wanted to share what I've learned without giving away too many tools of the trade. And I'm excited to have you along for the new season of Standout Startup Brands. I'm excited to have you here and look forward to having you join me again. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Standout Startup Brands. This is your host, Amrita Gurney, signing off from Toronto. See you next time.